This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. I'm Tony Tolado. In 1996, I had the pleasure to talk to Anthony Daniels, who voiced but also appeared in the suit as C-3PO in the Star Wars universe. At the time, there was an audio version of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. We talked about that in the original trilogy, and we'll even hear a clip. That and more in a moment. Back in 1996, I had a chance to speak to Anthony Daniels about the Star Wars audio drama for Return of the Jedi that featured a new cast around the familiar droid. This vintage conversation has a little clip of that episode as well. Let's go back in time. The plan was to have C-3PO as a uh, sort of like a used car salesman type, and that's really what George Lucas had in mind. But the story goes that you sort of talked him out of it because your voice wasn't even supposed to be used when you sort of got inside the costume. I think 3PO talked his way into it, really, because, yes, George had, did have other ideas for the way the character might be, not only vocally, but also as a personality. And uh, it never occurred to me to play it like that. I don't think I liked that idea very much. So I did my own thing, but I didn't realize how much George disliked my performance until months and months later when I found out just how many actors he'd sort of auditioned to test dub uh, the footage. And the rest is history, you know, and, and George very nicely admits now that maybe I did do quite Good job. That costume must have been incredibly hot, especially when you're doing the Tunisian scenes. How did you manage? And actually, as I understood, you couldn't sit down. You had to sort of lay on a board or just to have your meals and all that. Well, it was uh, very hot or very cold. Often in the desert, it was very cold because uh, the air is very clear and clean. And uh, if you see some stills, production stills, you'll see members of the crew in parka jackets and goggles because, you know, we were in sandstorms half the time. And I had nothing but this tin suit with a little sort of cotton undergarment, you know, leotards and so on underneath. So it's pretty cold there. And in the forest, the redwood forest, I was cold because there's a microclimate, very damp. In other scenes, I was okay. But in the worst ones were in the studio in 1976. We had the hottest summer in history in England. And there I was. And I used to come out of there like I'd been microwaved. It was, it was not a great experience. And I was not nice to be near. Of all the three films, do you have a favorite of the three? This is, I know, a hotbed question. I think probably Star Wars is, because it's, it's a neat encapsulated story. It's cute without being cutesy. It has a sense. Uh, it, it, it's complete. And there's an innocence about it, which possibly is slightly lacking uh, in the second and third, which naturally became more premeditated and so on. Yeah, the second one really sort of took the whole saga in a different direction. I mean, we found that a lot. The, the gang sort of gets split up for the first time, and bad things happen. Yeah, well, that's life, isn't it? And uh, the, the thing about splitting people up is that uh, you get different dynamics. For instance, I, I did have a talk with George about the fact that R2 and 3PO got split up. But it allows you to, uh, in this case, to, for 3PO to make a major bonding with uh, Han Solo. Obviously, a couple destined to, to be together for the rest of their lives. And that was interesting. That provided a new dramatic uh, thing, working with Harrison. And, you know, he was, he was very nice and uh, very patient and uh, understood the problems that one was going through and all that kind of thing. But, yes, the story did go off in a slightly different direction. 3PO sadly didn't have a great uh, role to play because it had been very complicated in the first one. So he was left out and then Irving Kirshner just liked everything I did so much. He kept saying, be on the, be on the, be on the scene. You know, they, you know, say something, anything. And so, uh, you know, it didn't really have a purpose. I asked George in the third one if he could, you know, give 3 something sensible to do. 
made him king of the Ewoks, for heaven's sake. Gene. Yeah, it, it worked pretty well. I think probably the third one was the most comfortable to do. As a protocol droid, the character is, as we well know, he has to well, he has to know a lot of different languages. So as an actor, you have to learn some lines in languages that don't exist. And uh, Ben Burt, he really did it to you. Yeah, he really did. But, it, you know, it was one of the, the most amusing parts of the, the movie to create those silly words with him. And we would just make each other howl with laughter, especially at some of the more obscene-sounding phrases that we made up <laughs> and didn't use. There are lots of languages. It kind of adds a texture, especially with the, um, the subtitles and so on. Started your career, actually, in radio drama. And now you've come back to it, in a way, with uh, Return of the Jedi. What was it like to be back working on a radio drama as opposed to doing these movies? Well, it's much easier. I don't have to wear the suit. It's, uh, it's just as hot because uh, the air conditioning was on the other side of the studio from where I was. So, you know, Han Solo was fine, but I was still cooking there. It's, it's fun. The, one of the most dramatic things, I suppose, is um, whereas you can have all the visuals in your head from either seeing the movie or having been in the studio at the time, none of that happens whilst we're uh, doing the radio. It's all put on afterwards by Tom Bagley in his studio. When I've heard these tapes, I'm just amazed at the acoustics and effects that have been added. And they're literally uh, giving me goosebumps sometimes when I hear them. And you think, gosh, this is very effective. The other major impact is that there is a lot of footage in the radio that isn't in the movie because we have more time. It's, uh, it's six episodes, half an hour each. You have maybe three times as much ability to speak uh, than you do in the, the movie. There's only about 20 minutes of words in the movie. So we can explain all sorts of things that we had to kind of leap over in the movie. The first scene, the radio, is a scene that should have been filmed and in fact, I did shoot part of it, but it never got used. And it's not even my scene, it's to do with Luke Skywalker. So the very opening of this will surprise fans. And all the way through, there are extra scenes, extra uh, pieces of information, extra details. And it's very stimulating from that point of view. So I think it's going to catch the audience slightly unawares. They're going to be surprised. More with Anthony Daniels on Sci-Fi Talk in a moment. Let's return to more with Anthony Daniels, and we'll hear that clip from the audio production of Return of the Jedi as well. I enjoyed Joshua Ferndon, who was, I think it was his first role, playing Skywalker. He did a great job. I know the scene you're talking about. I won't give it away. Good for you. Good <laughs> for you. I think Josh is is absolutely, and curiously, one of the spine-tingly moments I was thinking about was with him in a scene. And he's just tremendously good. Of course, uh, as the only member of the original movie cast there, I... I, I guess I felt, um, you know, would I be able to avoid giving them uh, helpful hints about how to play their roles? You know, if, there was, if they got into difficulties, I decided I might be standing by. This never happened. They didn't get into difficulties. And Joshua is just terrific. Quick job, you black-nosed, inherited goon. Yeah, just take the binders off us for two minutes. That's all we ask. Come on. Are you two all right? Yeah, fine. Right, Chewie? Except that somebody turned out the lights on me. I can't see a thing. So, here we are together again, huh? Just couldn't miss a party like this. How are we doing? Same as always. That bad, huh? Where's Leia? I'm here, Han. Thanks for trying to spring me, kid. You gave it your best. Yeah. Um, his high exaltedness, the 
great Jabba the Hutt has decreed that you are to be terminated immediately. Good. I hate long waits. You three will therefore be taken to the Dune Sea and cast into the pit of Kakul, the nesting place of the all-powerful Sarlacc. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. In the belly of the great abomination, you will find a new definition of pain and suffering as you are slowly digested over a thousand years. Second thought was passing it, huh? Now, did you record separately, or did you all record together? No, it's thankfully it's done very sensibly as an ensemble piece, so that you take each scene and rehearse it, and then you do it. If you make a mistake, you just stop and start again, and somebody edits that little blip out, and that sound is Tom Veggie. So I sound totally word perfect the whole way through, just as I do when I do Timothy Zahn's books, you know, for audio, whatever it is, Phantom Audio. That's not publicity. I sound brilliant, but it's the editor that's chopped out every fluff and flaw. They, do, they get very little credit, you know, it's the actors who all sort of bask in this. So we do it as an ensemble piece. You can look people in the eye. Uh, you can react just as you would, uh, hopefully, in real life. Not that this is real life, fans. Please remember, this is not real life. Well, you can plug Timothy Zahn's book, uh, audio books. Why? Because I don't have a share in the profits. Why should I plug his books? No. <laughs> Actually, I've interviewed Timothy Zahn, and uh, he's a great guy. He'll probably get a copy of this, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I told him off for writing. When he writes these books, uh, The Last Command, etc., uh, he tends to write things like Grand Admiral Thrawn entered the throne room, and pausing to look down the vast viewport into the next galaxy room where the sequence was being overplayed by whatever, whatever, whatever. And he smiled. So the sentence is, Grand Admiral Thrawn walked into the room and smiled. But there's a page of gobbledygook in the middle. And I, you know, my brain, if you could see the scripts, there are arrows everywhere pointing to the sense of it all. Because you don't have time to learn a book. I don't have time to learn a book. Um, I don't think many people do, so that's complicated, and he knows that, because I've told him. <laughs> well, actually, I told an audience somewhere, and I didn't know he was in the audience. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, you've got to be so careful these days. Yes, I Well, the question I have to ask you is about the prequels. They say, This is what the official word is, and I've read this. Quote-unquote, earlier versions of R2-D2 and C-3PO. Will we hear the same man in the in the suit? Oh dear! <laughs> what can I say? It's it's all still being written as we speak. I'm a great one for not giving information away, unless of course I'm very highly paid for it. So that's the end of that conversation. <laughs> Let's put it another way: Would you like to be in it if that opportunity came up? I have a great fondness for three PO. I have a great fondness for the whole genre and for George Lucas. I just said that to be impressive, you know, that I like George. Uh, I do have a fondness, and I've been a part of it for 20 years. I would be very happily be a part of it again, just as with the radio. I, you know, I, I was very glad that we finally, finally got to do the radio, the third one, because two, two out of three isn't, isn't it. And it was only when they got a budget together, because it will be on NPR, but NPR has no money. The best thing is to go and buy hybrid audios, tapes, and whatever. And the other thing that happened, apart from the budget, was that Yards More Music became available uh, that John Williams had composed. It had never been um, recorded or published before. That, as I'm sure you know, having heard it, it makes a huge difference. And each episode ends with a kind of symphony, which took me by surprise. I, you know, we didn't actually have the orchestra in the studio with us. It wasn't the room. Well, you look back over the 20 years, would you have ever figured something like this would have happened after sh putting on a suit and shooting out in the desert in Tunisia? I used to be a serious actor. It's all a bit embarrassing, really. <laughs> I've had some very difficult times because of it and some 
Yeah, it's not always been easy, but I think it's pretty much uh, counterbalanced and overbalanced by the the affection of fans, the kind of genuine praise and uh, sincerity that I see, uh, which is it's very rewarding. That, and I don't think you get blasé about it. It's difficult when people say you changed my life. I don't think this is true, and I wouldn't want that responsibility anyway. God, imagine people coming. You changed my life. I'm going to sue you. You play. You know, I wanted to be a gold robot, whatever. But I've had letters from people that said they would only uh, they would only eat a certain food if uh, you know three PO was a toy was there. Uh, I had a letter from somebody saying they were immunized against whooping cough and measles. Because of the ad that I did, uh, the only reason they would do it is the 3PO, and they weren't frightened had people not smoking because. And you think, well, maybe, maybe one has made a bit of a difference, uh, but most of it comes down to George and, and his his dream. There's a really nice uh, film that's out on IMAX about yeah. special effects. I have to ask, was that you in it? Of course, always, always me. They've gone back and are redoing, adding a lot of effects, which you saw in the film. Fantastic. Uh, what it looks like. I mean, you know, to see a lot of things like that infamous scene with Jabba the Hutt and Han Solo put back in. Have you uh, heard any info on that? And what's your whole feeling on sort of going back and rewriting history? Uh, it's not really revisionist. It's uh, the fact that there wasn't time to get it right the first time. I watched that original scene 20 year years ago. It was really boring. I'm sorry, it was boring. Uh, it was very unimpactful. There's a word. Several words. It didn't sort of work. And I think it's not unlegitimate to um, to go and do what George has done. He's just tweaked it a bit. It's great to talk to one of the most beloved droids in sci-fi history, who is welcome at any bar in my neighborhood. This is Tony Gitalato. Hello, I am C-3PO Human-Cyborg Relations, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Gosh.